Hello, welcome to the Monday check-in. I am not Pastor Damon hosting the Monday check-in today. I am Pastor Greg, one of the pastors at First Presbyterian Church of Hastings. And uh, Pastor Damon is on vacation this week, a much needed and much deserved vacation, though I think it is a staycation uh, given COVID-19 and uh, other things going on in his life. So, but I'm not doing this Monday check-in alone. I am graciously joined by my friend, Sarah, I'll let you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm also not Pastor Damon. I'm Sarah Babcock. I'm a member at First Presbyterian Church and a soon-to-be seminarian at Louisville Theological Presbyterian Seminary starting in a month. Ouch. I'm really excited to be here. And we're excited you're here and we're also excited to send you to seminary and to walk <laughs> with you on this journey towards uh, what perhaps will be ordination into ministry of word and sacrament at some point. So Outstanding. So uh, this is the Monday check-in. What we typically do is a quick rundown of any announcements we have going on in the life of the church. We'll have an opening prayer and then we'll do a short Bible study uh, chat. So we're going to do a chat on the scripture that uh, I will be preaching on on Sunday, six days from now. Uh, and Sarah will actually be joining me in worship because Damon's on vacation. And so she gets to be the liturgist and help lead worship with me. And I'm excited about that too. So uh, some quick announcements for you. And the first one, I'll turn over to Sarah about our uh, anti-racism conversation group. Do you want to tell us what's going on with that, Sarah? Yeah. So this summer, um, a group of folks from a couple of different churches in the Hastings area have gotten together virtually to read books and watch some short clips and films to talk and talk about difference um talk about what it means to be different what it means to um come across and reach across difference um and especially about what um is happening in our world and what we're hearing more and more about from our black brothers and sisters in america so this week we're watching a very short documentary called matter of place that's about housing discrimination um especially in the 20th like late 20th century to now um it's a very short documentary av available on youtube and if you're interested in having a conversation with us about um that or any of the other things we're reading you can reach out to me um reach out to me that's the word um or you can call first presbyterian church and they can get you on that email list and you'll hear from me soon this week Yes, Sarah will be sending out an email uh, probably tomorrow with links on how to, uh, with the link to the movie, mm -hmm. uh, inviting people to watch, which is about 30 minutes yep. uh, on YouTube, and then uh, links to conversations. And we're doing small group conversations. Uh, we have a facilitator in each of those conversations. Uh, it's myself, Sarah, uh, Pastor Jessica Pallas, uh, and Jean Harriet, who is a sociology professor from Hastings College, helping to facilitate these conversations. So we invite you to join us for that. If you'd like to, like, like Sarah said, reach out to the church office. We'll get you on that email list and uh, get you going. Up till now, we've, uh, for the month of June, we watched the movie Just Mercy and had conversations about that. And then uh, for most of July, we've been reading the book called The Hate You Give, which is a great book. And we commend that to you as well. So a uh, few other things going on in the life of our church. Excited to share with you about uh, some changes in our worship services. So last week's session voted that we were gonna to continue to suspend in-person worship in our sanctuary. Uh, and so for the month of August, we'll continue to do our uh, stay-at-home worship, which you can catch by streaming on Facebook Live, listening to on the radio, or catching one of our weekly television broadcasts. But we're gonna add a service. Uh, we're gonna have a weekly worship in the park every Sunday morning, weather permitting, at 9 a.m. And so we invite you, if you'd like to gather in person, to join us in Alexander Park at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. 
It'll be a slightly shortened, a slightly simplified worship service. We'll have you in and out of there in about 45 minutes. Uh, you'll hear the same sermon that you would hear if you stream our 1030 service. And then we'll continue to do our 1030 uh, stay-at-home service via the sanctuary, via all of our broadcast ministries. So that's an exciting change. Uh, we got so much positive feedback on our Worship in the Park services that we decided to just do it weekly. And so we're excited about that. So 9 a.m. Worship in the Park or 10.30 a.m. Stay-at-home worship service via Facebook Live or KICS 15.50 a.m. Uh, we hope you can join us for one or both of those worship services. You're, of course, welcome to do both if you'd like. What should we bring if we want to come to the nine o'clock service? Thank you, Sarah. Good question. Invite you to bring a chair for you to sit in the park. Alexander Park has great shade. And so we just invite people to spread out and provide social distancing and also a face mask. We ask that everybody wear face masks for that service. So hope to see you on Sunday at nine or uh, via our Facebook live stream at 1030. Uh, other things going on in the life of our church, we're wrapping up, uh, we did a church-wide book group this summer on the novel Gilead, and that is wrapping up this week, and so uh, we invite you to participate in that if you have read the book Gilead. There will be a conversation group on Thursday at 6.30, uh, and if you'd like the link on how to connect to that conversation group, email or call the church office, we'll send that link out to you. In the meantime, we have had three podcasts that we've done with three English professors, Dr. Constance Malloy, Dr. Ann Bolke, and Jenny Welsh. And uh, those we pushed out via social media today, as well as via an email to all the church. So you can listen to those and hear these really fun and enlightening conversations from three English professors about this novel, Gilead by Marilyn Robinson. Uh, I think last, uh, two more things. We're still uh, doing lunch packing. Uh, we do this open table ministry every month of July. Uh, normally we uh, do it on Sunday mornings. We finish worship, all get up from the sanctuary and go into the fellowship hall and we pack a thousand sack lunches in about 30 minutes. Obviously we can't do that with the suspended in-person worship. And so small groups are meeting in the church to help pack sack lunches for open table. If you're interested in stopping by the church to pack with a group of uh, five to 10 people, please reach out to the church office or to Jenny Howard if you uh, have her contact info and we can get you set up to do lunch packing. And I think that's it. The last thing is our summer sermon song series. Uh, so we actually started it uh, a week ago and we're continuing this week and that's going to lead us right into uh, our Bible study today. So I will open us with a word of prayer and then we'll talk a little bit more about the summer sermon song series. So let's pray. Gracious and loving God. We thank you so much for the community of First Presbyterian Church of Hastings and for their openness to different ways of hearing and understanding your word at work in the world. And so each summer, as we've done the Summer Sermon Song Series, we've sought to hear and understand your word, oftentimes through secular music, knowing that you can speak to us through anything, God, uh, that you are a God who speaks to us through, uh, through things that we don't typically think of as religious, but we know that you are over and above and through all things, God. And so this summer, as we launch into the Summer Sermon Song Series, we ask that you be present and that you open our eyes and our hearts to the ways that you are at work in this world through the secular songs that we're going to listen to, connecting those to your holy scripture and connecting those to our lives and the call that you have placed on our lives to share your love with the world. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. And so uh, Summer Sermon Song Series, we're going to go ahead and play the song for you. The song is called Memories. It's sung by, uh, the original version was sung by Adam Levine of the band Maroon 5. Uh, but we're going to listen to a cover of it. 
Uh, and on Sunday, you won't want to miss it because our own Hannah Jensen will be singing her own cover of this song, and it's going to be beautiful. But uh, we'll go ahead and switch over to the song, and then we'll uh, talk a little bit about it afterwards. So I'm going to try to successfully share my screen here. I'm going to click the button, share computer sound. I'm going to uh, share. Let's see. What do I want to share? You want to share your computer Show screen. all windows. There we go. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Scroll down to that. And I want to do that. I'm going to share that. And I'm going to switch to that. And I'm going to mute us.
All right. That's a beautiful version of that song. And uh, one of the things uh, I had asked Hannah Jensen to, if she'd be willing to do this song for us uh, a few weeks, actually a few months ago. And she goes, that song totally rips off Pachelbel's Canon in B. Yep. <laughs> like, pretty much. And uh, that cover that we just listened to does a good job of ripping off Pachelbel's Canon in D and, and actually riffs on Pachelbel's Canon in D, which is beautiful. Uh, so, yeah. And um, the scriptures that we're connecting to that. Um, so I'll, I'll share with you. The song was written by Adam Levine as a, a memorial to a friend of his who died very young, right? A producer, is that right? You yeah. figured that out, Sarah, for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll find the right page of my notebook. Um, yeah, it was a producer, so someone who would have worked with the group pretty closely, um, who died very suddenly in 2017. His name was Jordan Feldstein. Yeah, and uh, and so the, the song came out, I think, in, in 2019, and it's beautiful. Uh, and my daughter Esther liked the song. Uh, and then we had the tragic loss of uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gigi. They were in a helicopter crash in uh, Los Angeles area. And uh, his daughter Gigi is around the same age as Esther. And so she was paying very close attention to that. And Gigi's school used this song to eulogize Gigi. And so Esther loved the song and loved that connection. And she said, I think you should preach on this song, Dad. And uh, one of the benefits of being a pastor's kid is that you have the pastor's ear a little more often than the rest of the congregation. So as I was putting together my lineup for the Summer Sermon Song Series, this one made it into there. And the first time I listened to it, I thought this song is about uh, giving a toast uh, and, and how the toast brings back the memories of the person who we've lost. And it reminded me of our sacramental theology in the Lord's Supper. So I'll read these two scriptures to you. And then uh, we can talk about how we feel like they connect. The first is from the Gospel of Luke. And this is, uh, the Lord's Supper is introduced in the different Gospels in different ways. This is the way that Luke uh, introduces the Lord's Supper in chapter 22. When the time came, Jesus took his place at the table and the apostles joined him. He said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I tell you, I won't eat it until it is fulfilled in God's kingdom. After taking a cup and giving thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. I tell you that from now on, I won't drink from the fruit of the vine until God's kingdom has come. After taking the bread and giving thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the meal and said, this cup is the new covenant by my blood, which is poured out for you. And so the Last Supper is instituted in the Gospels, but then it is, uh, is reinstituted or reasserted by the Apostle Paul, and he writes about it in his first letter to the Corinthians. So this is uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to read from a uh, translation of the Bible called The Message. Uh, this is a translation that is really more of a paraphrase. So rather than being a word-for-word -word translation, it paraphrases. And it was done by a biblical scholar uh, named Eugene Peterson. He's Presbyterian. And he had a team of scholars who worked with him on this translation. So it's a, it's a good interpretation of the text, but it puts it into language that's accessible. And because uh, Paul wrote this letter, this reads kind of like a letter to friends. And so I like this translation. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 11 at 23. 
let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. The Master, Jesus, on the night of his betrayal took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. So, what do you think, Sarah? Ah, uh, yes, let's talk about communion. What's your earliest communion memory? Oh, good question. So I grew up in a, a federated church in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was both Methodist and Presbyterian. And uh, we did not have a policy about first communion. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the pastor's policy was that whenever children were ready and, and the parents could articulate to the children, and the child could also articulate to the parents their desire to take communion, that that was okay. And so um, I don't remember a particular date or a particular age, but I remember uh, taking communion and we passed it through the pews, kind of like we do at First Press Hastings. Um, and with the little cup and, and the little bread. Uh, and I was probably five or six years old when my parents and I had that conversation and, mm -hmm. uh, and how proud I was that I was taking communion with the rest of my church family. Um, and how much I liked the taste of the bread. <laughs> uh, there was a woman in my church uh, who for my entire childhood baked an unleavened sweetened shortbread. She would bake it in cookie sheets. It was about as thick as a sugar cookie. And uh, she would uh, bake it in cookie sheets till it was hard and then she'd cut it into squares. And that was what was always in our communion trays with this unleavened sweetened shortbread. And that will always be the taste of communion to me. Um, and by the time we got to high school and we were doing high school youth group and running around the church, we discovered bags of this bread in the freezer because she would bake a bunch at a time and freeze it. And it was so delicious that uh, with perhaps with the permission of our youth pastor, uh, <laughs> we might break it out and share it uh, at times other than communion. But uh, but yeah, I have a very strong memory of that. What about you? What was your first memory of communion? I love that you still shared the bread. I think that's super in keeping with communion, even if it wasn't real communion. I think that's cool that you yeah shared it together. Um, yeah, I had a very informal religious upbringing. So like, I, you know, um, I attended a lot of church services with friends. And I was very socially involved at First Pres because that was where all my friends were. Um, and I love that. I'm very happy about that. So I can't, like, I can't remember who I would have been with or what it would have been about. It might have been for acolyting, like as a middle schooler. Um, I still remember our first communion um, 
when I was a freshman or not first like a confirmation communion because I was terrified. I had to do the balcony with Ben Reimer and I was terrified of dropping. I think I had the little cups and I was so worried that I was going to like spill all of this wine all over our green carpet. And I remember talking to him about it and he was like, you're, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like he was very, very calming and I was very, very nervous. Um, but yeah, intinction, you know, through the pews is kind of, to me, that's my thought of it specifically. And I remember this when I'm back at Christmas, always the, um, the sound that like hundreds of little plastic cups all going into that little hole in the pew for the cups at the same time is like a very specific first Presbyterian church of Hastings, Nebraska memory for me. Um, so I, I love, yeah, I, that's, that's kind of, those are early memories. I have a lot of meaning attributed to, attributed to my Yavir though, because that is, we did it right before we all left. We did it as a group, you know, after three days of meeting our whole cohort, you know, um, we didn't get to take it before we left because um, COVID-19 had already changed a lot about how churches and organizations were doing communion. So that's something that I think, I remember wanting to do it and just not being able to happen. And that was really hard. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, um, sacramental theology is an interesting thing. That's a, that's a fancy word for just talking about sort of what we believe about communion. Um, and I, I have the chance to teach uh, the the confirmation classes about our 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 communion theology, what we believe about it. And then uh, actually, Pastor Damon and I did a adult ed forum on communion here a couple of years ago, and, and talked about it as well. But uh, but yeah, it's it, it's an interesting thing. But when I listened to the lyrics of this song, um, when it was suggested to me. I just, I, I heard a lot of our own sacramental theology in the lyrics. So the, just the opening song, here's to the ones that we got. Here's to the wish you were here, but you're not. Because the drink bring, brings back all the memories of everything we've been through. Toast to the ones here today. Toast to the ones that we lost on the way. Because the drink bring back, brings back all the memories. The memories bring back you. There's a time I remember when I did not know no pain. When I believed in forever and everything would stay the same. Now my heart feels like December when somebody says your name. I can't reach out to call you, but I know I will one day. And when we think about Christ instituting the Last Supper, and you, in my mind, I hear the disciples singing this song as they are taking communion after Christ's death and resurrection, right? They are remembering, and um, it's they are remembering. They are putting the body of Christ back together, even as it's torn, right? As, as the body of Christ is broken, we are also remembering the body of Christ every time we take communion because it is a unifying thing that, that connects us with one another, connects us with the global church, and connects us with Christ and Christ's ministry and mission. Um, and so it's a really beautiful sacrament to partake in. And it's been hard to not do it in person. Yeah. I will say I was skeptical about uh, doing communion using our broadcast ministry. And mm -hmm. Sarah is still skeptical about doing communion via broadcast ministry. And that's okay. <laughs> uh, I think a number of our members feel that same way. They're just like, this is not the same. And I get that. Uh, and I felt, I felt very much the same way initially. But the first time I did it, I spent a lot of time reflecting and reading about our communion theology, what mm -hmm. we believe about communion. And I spent a lot of time writing a communion liturgy that reflected that. 
And I think this is the longest communion liturgy I've ever used. Uh, the first time we did that, and I think we did it in May. We skipped communion in April. And I think we did it in May. I could be wrong about that. Um, but it was, it was a, it was an interesting, uh, thing to sort of think through what that means and what does this last supper mean to us as a community when we can't physically gather in person so yeah i think it i think this time has really challenged me like like i i think there was a disconnect between what i intellectually know about our community theology about community theology but and like what i actually was feeling and so i really had to interrogate like oh i say that i'm for this but i don't turns out that there's some there, there's some disconnect there um and i think that's healthy right i think that that taking you that's always going to happen with everything um i was attending i'm working for an elca lutheran congregation in dc so they take communion every sunday um and uh they i mean it's a significant amount of time because they do it via intention well you have the option intention or to take the cup um and it's all and it's processional so you come to them and uh, I, I've really grown, I really grew to love that. I know all the music and all the pieces to that congregation's um, tradition. So I think I'm doubly mourning that because I'm not gonna really be with that congregation for the, you know, hopefully I can visit someday. But so that's, and I know that, that those conversations were really hard because that is such a weekly part of their time together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we actually, um starting last fall we started doing our uh early service the today service and we did communion every week with that service um yeah. and we we did it by intention by people coming forward down the aisle tearing off a chunk of bread and, and dipping it in in the cup in that service we were averaging maybe 15 to 30 people uh would depend on the sunday but the intimacy of of that of the space of the chapel space and then yeah. the intimacy of doing communion by intention and um I've, I think I've told people that, uh, you know, for the 1030 service, because I'm leading worship, it doesn't always feel worshipful for me mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm sort of air traffic controlling, making sure this person comes and does this at the right time. Yeah, and, yeah. and then also preparing to, to share my sermon and all that stuff. But that, that early service, uh, even though I was leading it felt like a worshipful experience and taking communion each week mm -hmm. with my family of faith, uh, became very meaningful for me over the last year. So that's something I miss as well and something I, I hope we can return to at some point. Yeah. Um, but again, made me reflect on our, our sacramental theology. And, um, you know, Presbyterians are, are interesting. Our, our, our constitution, our book of order says that communion should be taken. Um, I can't remember the exact language. Basically, it's like quarterly at least. <laughs> uh, with enough frequency to to for significance but not not so frequent something like that but uh most churches that i've served uh have have done it once a month oftentimes on the first sunday of the month and um we had a pretty robust discussion both at the worship arts and music committee meeting and at the session meeting about doing communion weekly and what does that mean and, and we talked about sort of the language and all that stuff and uh and the meaning of that uh, sacraments and uh, and so yeah it's uh, it's interesting and it's interesting to hold it up to the the lyrics of this song and as well as to the two scriptures that help institute the sacrament and and sort of see the interplay between all of this and and of course Adam Levine is talking about drinking a toast uh, but uh, you know 
when when Christ instituted the sacrament in the Gospel of Luke, I mean, essentially that that's sort of what he what he did, right? He said, "Take this and share it among yourselves." Yeah. I tell you from now on, I I won't drink this. And after taking the bread, he gave thanks, and in the same way, he took the cup and 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 he gave thanks. And and really, a toast is is a way of giving thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it means more than that in the context of our communion, but that's really the, the, the basis of that. And so when, when you think of the song as if the disciples are singing it in the years after Christ uh, died and, and was resurrected and ascended, it, it brings on a to- totally different meaning, but also is a beautiful reflection on, on memories. Uh, and the fact that the memories invoked by communion bring the presence of Christ back to us in that moment, right? We believe that uh, in that sense, Christ is present with us through that supper and also that we are unified as a family of faith through that supper. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I got this. I'm not smart enough to have come up, to, come up or witty enough to have come up with it on my own. But um, I remember reading someone saying, you know, Jesus is this guy who says really off the wall stuff like this bread is my body now. And all of the disciples or his friends were like, um, okay. You, you know, like, like it, I think that I think about that, the last supper, this first communion and yeah, the immediate time after that, you know, I, those, when those memories are strongest, when there's also, when all the pieces are getting connected, um, you know, I always think, I love the disciples cause they're so human and we have stories of them making very human mistakes, but I also tend to write in my own little, narratives about them going oh oh you know because he's he's saying because it's a passover dinner right Right. so lots of lots of the meaning of what they're doing is very much a part of their life as it was and then he's adding this new meaning of what it's going to be in the future but no one really knows that yet right uh so so it's yeah it's a kind of you know i imagine sitting there and like what are you why are you going off book like what are you doing it's it's you know and, and so to hold that memory and to really be able to make that new meaning. Um, when I was in college doing like productions and, and theater and stuff, we always used to say doing something one time is great, but it's the second and third times that make something a tradition or make something happen. And so, yeah, to think back to that first, in some ways, that's why I like the, um, the Pauline letter for this, because it's not just that time that it happened, but it's the making of a meaning and the remembering that becomes what it's about. Yeah, Paul, yeah, Jesus institute, institutes com- mm-hmm. communion through the Gospels, but then Paul sort of records it and institutionalizes it, right? Makes yeah. it part of the body, uh, part, part of the life together as, as this new, newly formed church, and it's, it's beautiful. And so that's, I, I enjoy juxtaposing like one of the Gospel versions of it where Jesus is doing it himself with Paul's version. I was like, hey, here's what he taught me, and here's what I'm going to teach you. Let's do this, but let's take it seriously. This is not to be taken lightly. And if you read right before this in uh, in First Corinthians, he he kind of gets on the community for for not taking it as seriously as they ought to, but specifically as well for not taking care of each other. Mm. He's like, I hear you guys are gathering as the church and and eating and drinking and being merry, and and then some people aren't getting any and and are leaving with their their bellies empty and. That's not what this is about, guys. This yeah. is what it's about. And then the passage that I read to you. And so he's trying to help them understand the importance of, of communion and what that means to, to bind the family of faith together, right? Mm-hmm. And also to bind us with 
the risen Christ, to, to remember, to, uh, to reform that body of Christ as one, both as the family of faith and as Christ himself being present in that meal. So, yeah, it's good stuff. It is good stuff. I'll say it here. You probably, if you've ever seen me in worship, I cry about one in four communions. Like I just, I find it to be an incredibly moving experience wherever I am. Um, and I, yeah, it's cool to talk about too. Cause I think it's so easy to just do it and not remember and not spend the time on it that I think it really deserves. Yeah. And I'm excited uh, this Sunday because I get to share the table with you. I know and, it's my first time. It's so scary. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing in our Presbyterian theology. As long as there is one ordained pastor at the table, the table can be shared with someone else. And, and you all have seen me do this in the three and a half years I've been here because Kylie and I have served, mm-hmm. uh, have, have instituted communion together um, as well as some other folks. And so uh, this Sunday, it'll be me and Sarah. And uh, we hope you all can join us for that either at the park at nine o'clock or uh, via our uh, stay-at-home worship service at 1030. Would you mind closing us with a prayer, Sarah? Sure, let's do it. All right. Great creator God, thank you for this time to come together as a community, even if we're all virtually connected. Thank you for the technology that allows this to happen and allows us to continue to, if not see each other, know that we're together. Thank you for this gift of the sacrament of communion and for the meaning that keeps being remade and as we remember you. Keep everyone safe this week as they go about their days. Everyone's making hard decisions for themselves and their families and their communities, but we know that you are with us and that you can guide us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again, Sarah, for joining us, and I look forward to leading worship with you. And uh, maybe we'll get you in on some of these even once you're at seminary in Louisville. We'll see how things go, okay? (laughs) Okay, sounds good. All right. Thank you all for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Take care. Bye.